Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show, Better Than Before on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, March has come marching in, sneakily so, because I am still mentally in June. But thank goodness there is one person who I work with who keeps me sane and connected, not to mention reminding me what day it is. Um, And that is my always amazing producer and spiritual guru, Lori Houston. (laughs) Hi, Jane. Hello, Lori, who I call my (laughs) lovely. I hope that's okay. I always send her an email. Hello, my lovely. It goes with the L for Lori, just Mm. in case (laughs) you ask. Well, Lori, March is also Save Your Vision Month. I mean, not that every month should not be that. And after the break, I'll be speaking with Dr. Stephen Loomis. He's president of the American Optometric Association. And he'll be talking about eye health, specifically what we can do to relieve some of the stress that we have on a daily basis from staring at all our digital devices. Now, I do, as you know, and sometimes I get a headache from it. So I decided that either I had a rare ocular tumor pressing on my iris or I had to change my prescription and take some steps to alleviate the eye strain when I work on the computer. So I got new glasses, and guess what? No more headaches. Ah, perfect. See? Perfect. (laughs) But there are other things we can do, and Dr. Loomis will tell us what. But first, Lori, as you know, all too well, I had a signing for my book, Long Live You, your step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before at Barnes & Noble here in New York City the other night. And I was a little nervous about it, to say the least. Um, and, And just to tell our listeners, Lori, who, as I mentioned, is my guru, aside from being everything else, um, calmed me down on a daily basis. And one of the nicest notes I think I've ever gotten Um, except my kids telling me that I'm the world's best mom or what's for dinner, Uh, (laughs) despite the fact that my cuisine is not very good. Uh, What you sent me, Lori, was so wonderful. I mean, you sent me them every day, um, but I have to share this one, if I might. Okay. Um, And here's what you said. Um, You know what you want to say. Now just open your heart and speak from there. You're an inspiration to the world. Let your heart speak and you'll never have to worry about what anyone is thinking. Send your courageous courageous heart's light out to connect with everyone there. You will be brilliant. You are brilliant. So just take a moment, open up, connect to that inner light that is you and be your magnificent self and share it with the world. Now, how beautiful was that? Not only did I save it on my computer, but I hung it in every room of the house <laughs> framed. <laughs> <laughs> I put it everywhere. <laughs> everything, every painting in the house, and there it is, right? Bob's going, what is this? With all these new things. And I said, no, that's Lori. That is Lori's words of wisdom that I live by. So thank you. Thank you again. I want to want to say that. Mm-hmm. But um, what I'd like to do now in this first segment before we bring on Dr. Loomis is um, just to go over some of the nine rungs 
of my ladder to a better sure. quality of life that are in the book and give just maybe a little refresher course to our listeners and just show how, how it works. So first of all, why a ladder, you ask? Why a ladder, Jane? And why nine rungs? Follow-up question. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lori, first of all, I feel, and this is true, that no matter how old you are and, and, uh, or, or what you have gone through in life or what you're currently go- going through, it is never too early or too late to start to live a longer, happier, healthier life. Agree? Absolutely. And whatever issues you're dealing with, whether they're large or small, life-altering, or simply annoying, and dealing with me, Lori, that probably many of that falls into that category. Uh, <laughs> it takes more than just thinking happy thoughts, jogging around the block, and eating kale to get you from where you are to where you want to be. And my husband, as you know, the leafy green hating lawyer, would sooner starve to death than eat anything that tastes even remotely like escarole. <laughs> and except for you, he's probably one of the calmest people I know. But that's the exception. That's not the rule. And I think achieving optimal health and well-being uh, takes a multifaceted approach. And after many years of trial and error, I narrowed it down to what I call uh, lifestyle disciplines. And there are nine of them. Uh, And I feel we should include these in our lives every day that will truly make a difference. And then to make them even easier to assimilate and to follow, I put them in the form of a visualization technique, a, a virtual ladder. And the idea is to take inspiration or a tip from each of the rungs each day and slowly visualize yourself climbing out of any lifestyle rut you're in or a plateau you're on and up to a life that is just a little better than it was before. And I also want to add that, you know, as we all know, that life isn't always about rainbows and unicorns, unfortunately. And and we all need some help coping, probably most of all me. (laughs) (laughs) But unfortunately, also, there are no quick fixes or magic bullets, and, and you can't change everything that you feel is wrong with your life all at once. So the secret is to take baby steps, and the Japanese have a word for it, and it's kaizen, really two words, kai for happiness and for change. In other words, continuous change for the better. But change is a process, and it's always a process. And I think one of the mistakes that we, we make, we all make, not you, Laura, you don't make any mistakes, but most of <laughs> the rest of us, the rest of us mortals make this mistake, is think of everything, you know, look at the end of the process. Think of everything we have to do to get there and become so overwhelmed, we simply shut down, unable to process one thing more. You cannot climb a mountain in a single bound. You have to take it step by step. And my purpose for writing Long Live You was to make that journey just a little bit easier. So if I may, Lori, um, I want to go over briefly each of the rungs and maybe give a tip or two from each. You know, I was, I was saying at the, at, the, at the talk at Barnes & Noble that I would kind of put the nine up on a, a, a screen behind me. But I'm so technologically backward that it would take me the entire evening just to figure out how to turn the, <laughs> turn the damn thing on. So I just talked. <laughs> so... Let us begin with rung number one, doctor's orders. Now, I know you're already chortling on this, you know, but of course, we've had many, many doctors we interview every week. But be that as it may, (laughs) I personally am a hopeless hypochondriac. (laughs) 
And, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't share this with all of you because what you put your attention on grows stronger. But I can't help myself. <laughs> I live by a disease of the day calendar. But what separates my hysteria from that of, say, a normal person is that at the appearance of even the mildest symptoms, say, chap lips, I instantly jump to the conclusion that chap lips can indicate a deadly flesh-eating bacteria <laughs> or mad cow. I mean, not that too many people, Lori, have actually been found dead of chap lips. But, and as you know, my blood pressure rises at the sight of anyone in a white coat, even the kosher butcher or a vet. <laughs> but, but I have a metal plate and screws in my left leg. The result, as you know, from the heli skiing accident down Mount Everest. Of course, of course. Not, not from the fact that I was running for the phone and I, I slipped on the, on the carpet. Or, and I have a brand new hip, right hip, um, <clears throat> because the old one was destroyed in a mishap while surfing the Wyomia pipeline. Mm -hmm. Let's just leave it at that, okay? Mm -hmm. um, the lawyer, my husband, has five stents in his coronary arteries. See, listen to last week's show and you'll hear more about that one. <laughs> so I am still a firm believer in modern medicine because it has saved our lives. And the latest research from the most knowledgeable and up-to-date doctors has put the hard science behind our intuitive sense that changing our lifestyles and consciousness through healthy food, exercise, sleep, and managing our stress can prevent the manifestations of 95% of genetic mutations, the root of illness that are not hardwired into us at birth. So basically, genetics may load the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. Yeah. I like to, to say that because it's very, very true, right? It's very, and, very true. Yep. So now rung two of our rung, do not laugh, emotional well-being, another area <laughs> that I must go back and refresh myself with. <laughs> a key ingredient that is often overlooked but is paramount to having a balanced, healthy lifestyle is keeping our minds fit. In fact, a positive mindset is just as important as diet and exercise. And I think of it as Pilates for your psyche. But here's the issue. It's hard to put our minds first when the day-to-day -day is peppered with stressors and roadblocks. And, and we tend to dwell, it's human nature, to dwell on what went wrong. And the message here is focus instead on what to do next. After all, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So that, again, is the message of this rung. You know, things happen in life. And, and, and granted, some of it is out of our control. But if there's something we can do about it, rather than just worrying about it, and as I, I, I tell my daughter, and it is true, I, I tend to be guilty of this, you know, much of what we worry about never really happens anyway. And it's just really wasted emotion. So channel that same energy into finding a solution. Lori, you feel free to say this back to me whenever <laughs> I call you. Lori, Lori, whenever and I, I ask would, you. Help. I would just add to that that, you know, our emotions are something that come from our heart. It's something that's internal, but most often we are reacting to things that are outside of us. And so if you could just sort of turn that back inside instead of like, because none of the outside stuff you have any control over. And we can't change any of the things that are happening outside of us. We can only change how we react and respond within ourselves. And emotions, they're all inside. 
the worrying part, like that's when we get it into our heads and we're worrying all the time about the mental stuff. And that will make you mental because it's all about ego and it's, it's always directed outside. And so the only thing I would say to that is I invite you to look inside because you do have a choice how you respond and what you choose how to feel. That's well said. That is true. I'm going to add that in the book. <laughs> Too late. It's already come out. That's for the next, the next printing. <laughs> Don't forget that thought. <laughs> but you tell me that all the time. Now, that's very, very true and, yeah. and, and very well said. The other thing I tell people is to practice gratitude because if mm. we concentrate on what we don't have, we will never have enough. Right. And we have to celebrate even our smallest victories each and every day. We also don't do enough of that yeah. because when you start to slowly uh, uh, look at life in a more positive light, as you said, you, you break that cycle of negativity and that has a remarkable impact on our overall health. You know, Lori, I'll never forget one cancer survivor telling me that for her, cancer was a blessing. And, and I said, you know, how could that be? That's, you know, how could that possibly be? And she said, it taught me that our greatest trials can be our greatest opportunities for growing and finding purpose. Absolutely. And that's a way to turn a mess into a message and something that we all should do more of. Yes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what that... I'm. I can't even remember. I believe um, they say the same. It's the same word in some language. Um, possibility and and um, problems or something. Something to that mm -hmm. effect. I, I wish I take could. problems into possibilities. Maybe. Well, yeah. Like it's yeah. like you know we see our struggles and we get stuck there, and we it's there are always opportunities to to grow. Always everything. That we, we have to be aware of. And yeah. Most people don't, you no. know, they, they focus again on that negative, the worry, and they're leaving themselves closed to, to such growth yeah. that they should be experiencing every day, which would make their life a lot more positive and a lot happier. Yeah. We're going three is nutrition. And it wasn't long ago <clears throat> that the only things that we associated with what we ate were indigestion <laughs> and gout <laughs> and maybe acne. <laughs> and that dietary factors were the determinants of a multitude of diseases was really considered unfounded from a scientific perspective. But today that link is irrefutable and the connection is both universally accepted and much better understood. So basically your health is what you put in your mouth. Mm. And again, the secret to, to get out of this wrong is that uh, do it slowly. Don't expect to change all of your eating habits in one day or be thinner by dinner. It's the little steps that you do each day that build good eating habits. And the same with losing weight. You know, the more dramatic the diet, the more tasteless the food, the more you'll be tempted to eat everything in the house on day three, gain back the third of an ounce that you lost plus like 10 pounds more. So you need to have a healthy relationship with food. After all, we all have to eat. So it's a life plan, a lifestyle plan, not just a temporary diet. And it was funny, Lori, I was in a, like a, <clears throat> I was waiting for my son yesterday in, in a little um, tea shop and they had this whole selection of pastries and sandwiches at the front case and they looked pretty good. And I was telling the guy behind the counter that I was uh, gluten free and, but they're so tempting. And he literally came around to the front, put his arm around me and said, be strong, dear. It's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
like I was a major alcoholic and saying, I got to have a drink, right? He was telling me, no, 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 do not eat these. So cute. Anyway, cute. they did look good. So, but if you once in a while, if you want to treat, that's fine. You know, I think that you, you have to. You know, I don't think Bob has eaten anything that's given him pleasure since he's had a heart attack (laughs) six months ago. Uh, He he has a Mediterranean diet of beans and and lentils and, uh, I mean, beans and what else does he eat? Olive oil and nuts and figs. And other than the occasional impulse to become a rug salesman, he's doing actually very well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rung four, fitness. Now, fitness goes beyond looking good. It improves your health, your self-esteem, and your quality of life. Strong is the new skinny. But, and we've said this before on the show, every gym session doesn't have to leave you gasping for air. Your mantra doesn't have to be trained, insane, or remain the same. Even if you just walk or exercise in your chair, there are enormous benefits to reap for cardiovascular, metabolic, even cognitive health. And exercise increases the feel-good transmitters like dopamine and serotonin, so you feel less depressed. Remember, when it comes to fitness, there's no such thing as being booked up. There are 24 hours in a day. You can always find 30 minutes to work out. So find something you like to do and, and do it. Now, I conquered, as I've told you, my nemesis, which was the spin class. <laughs> and I almost conquered the step class. I thought I had it. But she added like an extra turn on Saturday, and I had a little setback. <laughs> I was completely lost. <laughs> <laughs> I know where the hell I was. I was just like, what, what are you doing? And I was doing very well up to that time. But I will try again. <clears throat> so, rung five, Beauty. And what I try to get across in this rung is that we are all way too hard on ourselves. And that single-handedly destroys our self-esteem worse than our mother. Mm. So don't point out your faults. Seriously, when you look in the mirror, look at something you like on your face. I mean, that's that, that, that should be a given instead of always, you know, have you ever met someone and the first thing they say is, oh my God, my nose is too big or my ears are too big. And, you know, it's like you, you don't, you didn't notice it. So why, why even point it out, right? Mm-hmm. And most importantly, be kind to yourself. Take care of yourself because you are the only self you have. And the, the final message, I mean, this, uh, obviously there, there are many more pages to this wrong, but, you know, the, the, the brief version is a true beauty comes from within. Happy people have a glow to their skin that's undeniable and a lack of enthusiasm for life, as my mother used to say, wrinkles the soul. She also used to tell me not to wrinkle my forehead because it will stick that way. So I'm happy that Botox was invented between us. (laughs) Rung six, natural remedies. Now today, as you know, Lori, many of the most interesting and promising developments for our health are from the world of alternative medicine that doesn't just focus on illness, but on trying to find ways to prevent that from happening to begin with. And we should we should investigate more of those. And in this wrong, in the book, I talk about the best holistic therapies, herbal teas, healing massages like reflexology. But one area that a lot of people don't don't think about but is extremely important is the mind-body connection. And it may sound like something you'd find on one of these eat, pray, love tours, (laughs) one of the activities. Um, But it simply means bringing awareness to any aspect of your life. And awareness tells you how you're doing. It's an infallible kind of radar. 
And the secret to becoming more aware, so I have found, is to stop all that crazy, insane cycling that is constantly going on in our minds. So in other words, you have to find some way in your daily routine to manage your stress. You don't have to be a master Zen meditator. Um, remember, we had Malika Chopra on the show, Lori, not mm-hmm. too long ago, and she said that even she doesn't meditate every day. And if she doesn't meditate, <laughs> what hope does it have for, for me? Uh, and every time I try to do it myself, even for five minutes, you know, all these thoughts come into my head like, you know, did I leave a pot of soup on the stove or perhaps a roast in the oven? Pause. No, I do not think that. Neither will anyone else. I was going to say, really? Cooking. That comes through your head? <laughs> well, no. I mean, for a, for a fleeting moment, it could. Oh, wait. World. I don't make pot roast. <laughs> I know. Rib roast. Not pot roast. Pot roast. Oh. The, but this is rib roast. You know, that oh, smell well, of the, the rib roast. But no, 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 no. Nobody else would think of that who's really ever tried my cooking. So... <laughs> And, and the easiest stress management exercise, and, and Lori, weigh in on this, please. Uh, take deep breaths, you know, not shallow ones into your chest, but deep conscious breaths into your diaphragm. And, you know, when you're in your car and, and at home, you know, right now, just uh, sit quietly, relax your muscles, focus on inhaling and exhaling. And I like to say the word relax with every exhale. I'm sure you have other tips to share. Um, 21 is, is the magic number, but I think even if you take three deep breaths, it will calm you down and in a moment of stress and anxiety, present or anticipated, um, so they don't turn into those awful anxiety attacks. And trust me, I have been there. And as you would imagine, I thought I was having a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have any other breathing exercises we could do? I'm just going to say in interest of that, like I, um, when I was much younger, I worked for the government and um, I was in a few car accidents. So I was still going to school. I was working for the government and I was in a few car accidents. And um, I was sent to, it was very interesting to this breathing clinic, a stress clinic. Um, and she was blind, which I always thought was even more interesting. But Ultimately, had I not learned how to breathe correctly, um, I was told by a medical intuitive that I would have had heart problems by now. So it was so key to everything. But I mean, our breathing is key to everything. We, how we, how we breathe consciously. So it's, it's more about conscious breathing because our body's going to breathe regardless. But when we are stressed, we start to do more clavicle, well, first chest, like upper chest. And Mm -hmm. then when we're really stressed, we're doing clavicle breathing. So it's a really short breath. And if we're not aware, if we can't be conscious of it, if we can't bring it down deeper, um, it can lead to more deeper problems. So yes, I mean, anything that gets you to do more conscious breathing will assist you in reducing your stress level and it will assist you in reducing your blood pressure. But it, it is interesting because there's more to it. I, um, I did some training, some coach, um, training, and I'm actually a trainer of this um, procedure called embraining, which is learning about our multiple brains. So we have our mind, we have our heart, and we have our gut. And part of the way to connect to your mind, body, and spirit is through breath. I mean, the breath is everything. That's why yoga concentrates on breath. And so the Eastern, you know, Eastern meditational practices or Eastern spiritual practices have been around thousands of years longer than the Western. And it's always been based on breath. So everything, everything can be related back to our breath. 
even even our poor digestion and our health and when you were talking about exercise and you know some of the the sayings that people have out there i mean it causes anaerobic versus aerobic aerobic is good for you anaerobic where you're you're doing too much too quickly and you're putting more stress on your heart i mean all of these things can be controlled through our breath and as long as you can breathe properly while you're doing everything and so therefore being more mindful and more conscious in your breath um the better but if you can add to that so heart math which is a wonderful organization um talks about you know what your emotion is while you're breathing. So if you can add one more dynamic into it, if you can bring in, you know, have your happy place, whatever your happy place right. is, if you can bring that into it, it will it will bring your breathing and your heart rate into resonance. And that's really what our goal always is, is to have a more, because you can still be in, have a nice deep breath and still not be in resonance and it can still create problems. But... Um, yeah, so it's all about our breath. It's all about the breath, which is so, it's so easy to think about. And most people think, you know, they'll head for the, uh, the volume, but right. well, we, we have it right in ourselves exactly. to calm ourselves down. Exactly. And it's a heck of a lot better for you than, than, you know, tranquilizers. Cause, and that, that's part of the holistic, um, the whole area that's so important that we we tend not to even right. investigate but they have our purposes yeah. because yeah. as yeah. you say oh, the absolutely. medical rung is is very important for sure i mean that's why my first um exactly. my first rung is doctor's orders but on right. the other hand we can also work with it and do a lot of it ourselves absolutely. and then see if you need it you need it i'm not saying that you know not to take it i'm just saying that it's something that we can also work with and even if you do take it you have to work with it it's not absolutely. a miracle right so there you go, breathing. breathing. Now I will take a deep breath and I will continue with <laughs> rung seven, which is support. Now, Buddha once said that happiness never decreases by being shared. Good health benefits everyone. So get your family and friends to climb the ladder with you. Work together, hold each other accountable, encourage each other. It really helps to have a support system. Remember, too, how people treat you is their karma how you react to it is yours. But by exuding more positive energy, you'll see how positively people respond back and optimism is infectious. That's why, Laurie, you're so happy all the time because I am constantly so optimistic. Yes, that's it. <laughs> you are surrounded by my optimism. You know, Laurie. <laughs> um, but speaking of karma, rung eight is spirituality. Um, and I know, Laura, you could talk about this a lot better than I, but this is the, this was coming from the book. Um, whenever I go to the beach and I stare out, of, uh, out over the ocean or I watch a sunset, I'm reminded that something this magical of this magnitude must be the creation of a higher power, a transcendental force so much bigger than I. Connect to this higher power and don't be afraid to put out to the universe anything you want in life. I do, and it responds by letting good things flow back to me. Nice. Finally, we come to our last rung, which is giving back. Whenever life tries to beat you down and tries to crush your soul, giving back reminds you that you have one. <laughs> Add value to both your life and those around you by getting involved in a project, organization, or cause that you really care about. Now, to wrap this up because I know we're almost out of time 
at the end of the day, being better than before doesn't mean we have to change the world. All we need to do is direct a little more energy toward improving our lives and the lives of all those we touch. Choose happiness. Laugh more. Share information, challenges, success. Root for each other because it's more fun that way. Decide to be the best you in the world because it definitely beats the alternative. You know, Lori, my my favorite quote from someone that most people might think is a rather unlikely source is is Willy Wonka. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll see why when I read it. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do, do it. Want to change the world? There's nothing to it. Anything and everything you want is possible if you believe in you. Everyone, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Dr. Loomis, who's going to be talking about ways to avoid eye strain. As listeners of our iHeartRadio talk show know, Jane Wilkins Michael is one of the foremost experts on all things health, beauty, and fitness. Jane has just released her highly anticipated new book, Long Live You, a step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before. In it, she shares a collection of advice, tips, and personal antidotes, along with lifestyle suggestions from some of the world's top beauty, health, and fitness experts, many of whom have been interviewed on this show. Are you hoping to make positive health decisions, improve your emotional well-being, establish a support system, give something back to your community and the world? Jane's new book will help you look years younger and also live a longer, healthier, happier, and more beautiful life. You can order Long Live You, your step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before at your local bookstore or at Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com where it's available for delivery or as an ebook, Or go to Jane's website, janewilkinsmichael.com. Now, back to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Want to know where you can hear Jane Wilkins Michael's show better than before? Well, that's easy. You can tune in to Jane via Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and at bmajor.org. Now, back to Jane Wilkins Michael and better than before. Welcome back, everyone. We are on the air live. You're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane, and I'm here with Lori. And now it is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Stephen Loomis. He's the president of the American Optometric Association. And as I mentioned in the intro, uh, March is the um, Save Your Vision Month. And with Americans spending more time than ever behind computer screens and handheld digital devices, 58% of adults report experiencing symptoms of digital eye strain and vision problems as a result, according to the American Optometric Association's 2015 American IQ survey. And that holds true to this very second. (laughs) And these symptoms include eye strain and headaches, blurred vision, dried eyes, neck and shoulder pain, irritated eyes, etc. I have them all. So here to tell us how to avoid and eliminate eye strain, thankfully, is Dr. Stephen Loomis. He's president of the American Optometric Association. Doctor, we have so, so very much to talk about. You know, um, technology, for all its pluses, has a negative impact on our eyes, right? You know, it really does sometimes. Uh, we, we embrace technology in our office all the time. We're always looking at 
at new technology, new things, uh, new ways of doing things, how to be more efficient, how to be more effective, just like everybody else. And, um, and we love technology, but uh, at the same time, uh, the amount of uh, near work, the amount of focus, the amount of, uh, of, of intensity that we do uh, with uh, particularly handheld devices and computers um, really is, is, is kind of changing the way uh, Americans' uh, uh, comfort uh, uh, is uh, with, regarding their eyes. I, that that is so true. I mean, most of us spend the day staring at a computer screen or a smartphone screen, and you know, we even look at them under the table at meetings. And you know, again, I can't imagine this 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 is good for your eyes. In fact, my mother used to tell me years ago, um, "Don't sit too close to the TV, as it will uh, ruin your eyes." And you know, I can't imagine what she would say today. She also used to say, don't wear rubber boots in the house, doctor. She used to say, do not wear rubber boots in the house, because that will also be bad for your eyes. I never knew if that was an old wives' tale. (laughs) Wow. I I, I don't know about the rubber boots, Jane, but but I think she was right about the TV. Right. We'll we'll give her that. Okay, we'll give her that one, right? Although I still tell my kids, don't wear rubber boots in the house for whatever reason. (laughs) Some things never change, like your mother's advice, right? Um, but, you know, doctor, I noticed that even when I, I, I tilt my head forward, you know, to look at my phone, um, I feel a lot of pressure on my, my neck. And I also, um, sometimes I, I feel, um, you know, dizzy at times when I'm, when I'm looking too hard. And, and, you know, there's so many things that I, I connect to my, my, my eyes, um, being a bit of a hypochondriac, as Lori would say, it's either that or some, you know, pressing tumor on my retina. But I, I go for the eye strain. Right. Um, but it's like it's it's they're serious repercussions from all this. Um, and and how do we? What 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 is some of your advice? Like how do we um, position our head, for example, when we look at the 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 cell phone, let's say, or the the digital um, or smartphones. You know, when I when I think of of smartphones and and I, and I use mine as much as anybody, um, but but when I think of smartphones or iPads or or tablets or or all of these devices, you know, I, I'm I, I always think to the basic design of the eye, and and I frequently tell my patients, you know, we were designed to be buffalo hunters. We were designed to uh, look in the distance to spend most of our time looking out in the distance, and then every now and then sharpening our arrowheads and, and looking at things up close. But predominantly, the way the eye is, it's designed to see far away. That's when the eye is in its relaxed state, is when we're looking at things far away. And so, uh, to your point, when we spend so much time, which is now amounting to hours a day, looking at things that are not far away, in fact, uh, you know, a typical iPhone is probably only uh, maybe 18, uh, 16 to 18 inches away. Um, our eyes have to focus harder at that distance. And then also, as you point out, um, there's an ergonomic issue there uh, with our head leaning a bit forward because our heads, again, are designed to be leaned back slightly so that the weight of our head um, is transferred directly down our, our spine. And yet when we uh, lean forward, uh, we're, we're transferring a fair amount of weight. Uh, that, that, that vector uh, looks very different when we lean our head forward. So all these things that, uh, that we have available to us, really uh, we're trying to do to a body that isn't designed for that. 
Yeah, I can. And also the, the computer. What is the right uh, distance? I think mine is two feet from where I normally sit. Is there a distance that you suggest to keep the computer um, at? Yeah, that... I, I think two feet is a, good, uh, is a good number, Jane. I think that, you know, a little bit farther away is a little bit better. That creates its own set of issues, which I'll get to in just a second. Right. But, but I think bearing in mind that the, the best thing we can do is give ourselves a little bit of a break. We, we often refer to the 20-20-20 rule, which you've probably heard of, but mm-hmm. uh, we say every 20 minutes um, give your eyes a break by taking 20 seconds and looking at things farther away than 20 feet. So 20 minutes, 20 seconds, 20 feet. And, and the notion there is that the farther away an object is, the more relaxed our eyes are when we're viewing it. So a computer monitor at 24 inches is going to be more relaxing to the eyes than a handheld device at 16 inches. So the closer the, the item is, mm-hmm. uh, the more difficult uh, it, it is to, uh, re- relative to the, uh, to the amount of strain we put on our eyes. Now, that, that has, uh, has other implications as well, however, though, and that is if we need glasses to see things up close, that is if we're over 40 years old, the glasses that we use to see something at uh, 16 or 18 inches are going to be a little different than the glasses we would use to see something at 24 inches. So, so you, 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 have to, uh, you have to do some math on that sometimes. Oh, that's out of my. <laughs> you lost me on that one. As soon as you said math, that's, that's it. Oh, uh, but but that's interesting that you say that because I went to my optometrist and and he said that I said sometimes I'm getting these these headaches, this pressure over my eye. I feel like my eyes are kind of heavy, and I really wondered if that could have a connection with the amount of time that I spend on the computer. And he tested my eyes and he said, the glasses that you wear for regular, I have a pair for distance, but I also have like a regular pair that I wear when I'm, I, I, I wear glasses. I can't wear contacts, so I do wear glasses. But he said, those are too strong for your computer. So he gave me a, a prescription that's, a, 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 that's less, you know, that's less strong um, for just for the computer, so now I have like a hundred sets of glasses. <laughs> I, I'm right. hoping I don't confuse them. <laughs> so I don't. But I think it makes a difference because now when I put on the regular ones that I wear that I could see in the distance, but not as well as the long distance. Now you have my whole life story. Um, I find that it's it's it, it makes my eyes um, a, a little, uh, you know, not not hurt as much. But I think most people think that they should maybe have distance, long distance glasses for the computer, but should you weaken your, am I making any sense whatsoever? Should you weaken, weaken your prescription if you're on the computer? You made a, you made a lot of sense. And, and, and I'm, and I'm sure all of your listeners who, again, who are over 40, uh, can identify with everything you've said. And, and the reason I, I, I say over 40 is that when we're younger than 40, the eye has a, a very natural focusing mechanism that works really well and it allows you to see up close, and then uh, when it's in a, its relaxed state, it allows us to see far away and allows us to see everything in between. But somewhere in our 40s, the lens inside our eye loses its flexibility. It begins to harden. 
And so that's why somewhere in our 40s we begin to uh, wear either reading glasses or, or maybe a different pair of glasses for up close and far away because our eyes can't make those natural changes. So if you are looking at a, an object that is closer, and I'm going to say 16 inches for, as an example, that's going to require a different lens prescription than looking at something at 24 inches. And oftentimes, patients will try to use those reading glasses when they're on the computer. And if those reading glasses are designed for 16 inches, and now their computer is at 24 inches, the computer isn't clear. And so what they end up having to do is that they'll lean forward a little bit, trying to get a little bit closer to the computer so that they can see the computer better. Well, that might make, it, make them see better, but of course that puts them back into this ergonomic issue where they're leaning forward mm -hmm. and, and not in a comfortable position. So your doctor was exactly right. Uh, we frequently need different prescriptions for uh, an intermediate distance than we do for a near distance than we do for a far distance. And there are lenses available that, that can meet multiple needs. Sometimes we'll have, I use a pair of computer glasses. In fact, I have them on right now. I'm in my study. And mm -hmm. my computer glasses um, actually have a progressive lens, so they change a little bit. And I can see uh, up close really well, and I can see my computer really well. I don't see the distance really well with these glasses. So I have to change my glasses around. They're trifocal. Tri oh, in indeed, very much so. But let me ask you this, doctor. Um, is there anything good about getting old? <laughs> <laughs> well, it beats the alternative, I reckon. Yeah, other than that, that is. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing now our eyes start to go too, right? I mean, Dude, does everyone you? get cataracts? Is that like a given or is that, I mean, do most people get cataracts as they get older? That's sort of not necessarily. Because someone said, oh, everyone does. And but I, I, I kind of think they do. I, uh, oh, no. I, 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 I frequently refer to cataracts as your 60th birthday present. Uh, oh, because great. That's, that, that's about the time I first start um, uh, identifying them. But, um, you know, just identifying a cataract doesn't mean that a patient's going to require cataract surgery. Oh, um, only some do and some don't. So, so a cataract is simply where the lens inside the eye, uh, that lens I just referred to a few minutes ago that, that mm -hmm. focuses, changes the focus, uh, that lens begins, to, as it ages, it begins to get a little bit cloudy and um, and actually changes color. It, th that happens for a lot of reasons, uh, one of which is probably an exposure, a lifetime ex exposure to UV radiation, uh, also uh, just the normal aging of the eye and uh, and that sort of thing. So, so cataracts are pretty common, uh, but just because you have a cataract doesn't mean it requires surgery. Well, if, if everyone had a cataract, I'd look a lot younger. <laughs> it does kind of airbrush the world a little it bit. It sort of then. airbrushes so yeah, the world, right. and I think that's right. It's like candlelight, right? I used to that's say right. if it's I give so all bad. my friends one candle, I'll finally be able to go out in the daylight. Now I have another one. If they all develop cataracts, I'll also be okay. <laughs> that's right. Well, and you can tell when a cataract patient may may need a little more attention. Of course, we see, we see our patients once a year, but I tell my patients if you kind of get to that point where you're you're cleaning your glasses all the time, um, and uh, and that's not really helping. Uh, it might be the cataract because looking through a cataract that needs attention is like looking through dirty glasses all the time. So so my cataract patients usually have the cleanest glasses in town. Wow. Okay. 
<laughs> something, something to look forward to, along yeah. with dry eye. Now, that's another age problem. Oh. And I don't know if that relates as much. The computer probably does and, you know, your, your smartphone. Uh, dry eye seems to be another issue that as you get older, um, your eyes get drier. Is that part of aging or is that just a coincidence? So uh, certainly aging, you know, I think there's just about no condition that we can talk about that doesn't seem to get worse with aging, you know. So we can always add that to, as a risk factor, right? Um, but, but dry eye is, is an interesting thing. We, we, we've called it dry eye for years, but, but more literature, as you, as you really examine it, will, will call, you'll sometimes see it dry eye syndrome, but you'll also sometimes see it ocular surface disease. And... Um, and, and what really seems to be happening here, we used to think it was just a lack of tears. What we now understand it to be um, frequently is sometimes it's a lack of, of moisture, but very frequently it's a lack of the mucus and oils that are in the tear film. And so that's why one of the, uh, one of the interesting things I've always found in my patients is that when I, when I see a patient with ocular surface issues, um, I'll ask them, do, you, do your eyes feel dry? And they'll say, yeah, but they water a lot. And the reason for that is, you know, the body's trying to make up for these little dry spots that develop on the cornea by producing an overabundance of tears. But if, if those tears still don't have the proper mucus and oils in that tear film, then, of course, it doesn't really help. And so, so it's sort of like I, I liken it to uh, when your lips are chapped and, and, and you you want to lick your lips, and of course that doesn't help. Uh, you really need some sort of um, uh, agent when you have chapped lips that, that, mm-hmm. that rehydrates that tissue. And that's how it is in, in ocular surface disease. It's not just a lack of moisture, but it's, it's the lack of the quality of moisture. So they're, But they're, they're over-the-counter, right? You can get them at the chain drug stores, like tears, liquid tears. and. That's right, uh, that's right. Do those help? They help very much. Um, that's always my first line of defense is an artificial tear. I always avoid any drop that gets the red out. Um, so if, if um, I won't use any brand names, but, but if, they're, if, if, if their claim to fame is that they, they whiten your eyes or get the red out, I always avoid those drops because um, they actually have a drying effect on the eye. They actually reduce the blood supply to those auxiliary hmm. tear glands. So you want a drop that really um, has been recommended by your doctor. If you have any questions, just call your doctor. But you want a drop that actually replaces those mucus and oils. Does that does that drop rhyme with mysine by any chance? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the one we don't like. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's Not right. to you say can... hypothetically, does it rhyme? That's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so. Now, the other thing is um, the, the lighting. And, and, of course, a lot of us are, are in offices with those awful phosphorescent lights that show every single crow's foot that there is and then some. Um, but a lot of offices now are being a little more uh, aware of that and they're not as, as, as you know, they're being a little um, – I'm not sure if they all use those lights, but they can't be good for you in so many other ways too. So as far as lights for the, your uh, computer, how – is it overhead or should you? Now, my computer faces a window, so I have a light coming in, uh, the, the light directly uh, in front of me, not behind me. Is, there a, is that bad or, you know, talk about lighting a little bit. So, well, I think, I think if you're looking into a window and, you know, you're getting a lot of uh, light 
around the computer. I think that's kind of difficult. I think if the light is directly behind you, I think you get glare on the computer. So, so that can be a little difficult. I think lighting coming from the side is, is probably a little bit easier uh, from re relative to outside lighting. I, I also think that the, uh, the fluorescent lights that we have in offices today, most of the time they, they are kind of on that bluish end of, of, of the spectrum, and, and they tend to be a little more glary, a little more difficult uh, to, uh, to accommodate to. So, so we like to see lights to be on the warmer end of the spectrum. Um, more the yellows and um, you know more the incandescent type of lights, I think, uh, are, are more comfortable on the eye. It's interesting that you bring up lighting because one of the things that we're finding, uh, particularly with with handheld devices, um, you know, your your iPhone, or your iPad, or your your tablet, whatever it is that you use, um, they seem to be uh, they produce a lot of blue light, and so. There's been a lot of uh, study and a lot of interest in the effects of blue light on people. We've known for a long time that ultraviolet radiation, UV radiation, um, is, is contributory to uh, macular degeneration and, and cataract formation. And, um, and that would be wavelengths uh, around 400 nanometers or shorter. But, but between 400 and 500 nanometers is, is blue light. And so, so the studies now are looking at blue light, and is, and 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 is blue light part of the problem? So, are we um, is our exposure to blue light more of an issue than, than we ever imagined before? And and the studies are really interesting. They're they're a bit uh, inconclusive right now. We don't know if uh, how dangerous blue light is, but we do know a couple of things about blue light, and and one of them is um, that blue light tends to regulate our circadian rhythms. <clears throat> Excuse me. In other words, uh, exposure to blue light uh, tends to regulate the melatonin uh, in, in, mm -hmm. in people. And so blue light's important to us because it keeps us awake and it keeps us uh, you know, regulated uh, in that respect. So uh, the, the practical implication of that is that if we're looking at our computers at night, our, 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 our handheld phones, our handheld tablets at night just before we go to sleep, we're probably stimulating, um, uh, 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 I guess, a lower amount of melatonin and, and uh, kind of messing with our circadian rhythm. In other words, it keeps us awake at night. It keeps you, yeah, I was just going to ask that. That's interesting because a lot of people wake up at like 3 a.m. and they check their, their uh, cell phone you know, to, to make sure that nobody... Obviously, is texting them at that's right two fifty five a.m. That'd be terrible um, to miss that three a.m. It's, it's it? terrible. You don't want to miss that. But it's true, and I think that and I, you know sometimes you wake up and you can't sleep, and then you, um, uh, you know you you look at it and or you you know go on your computer, etc. And and you and it's true. A lot of times. Um, you can't go back to sleep, and and they're not saying you know you don't know why, and and that's probably it because you're checking the, uh, uh, the, the blue light, which you're supposed uh, to turn off completely, and that's that makes you want to go to sleep more. That's one of the the um, um, sleep disorders institutes that turn off all the blue lights. I I think there's a lot to that, and so. You know, I think if if uh, folks want to read before they go to sleep, they should read a book, <laughs> read a traditional. What book. What is that? A book? 
Yeah, yeah. Do you remember those? Do you remember those? You, you I might just, still have one in your house. I just published a book. I hope people read a book. But <laughs> That's I didn't right. That. That That's right. Yeah, I know you published a book. I've, long live you, right? Correct. Oh, yeah, nice, yeah, Doctor. Yeah. Very, very so, nice. Um, so, yeah, you, have your readers get that in, in, uh, uh, in, in, in a real paperback. In the real book, because they get it on, of course, they Kindle, and that, that's another thing. All the books, that's another issue. They read books on, on their computers and on their, on their right. smartphones. So that's another right. way to strain the eyes. And, I, and, and is it true that Lori's, I'm sure, going to chortle at this question because she knows where it's going, but can you get headaches from eye strain? Some doctors don't equate the two, but can they give you headaches that a lot Without of headaches... A Without a doubt, I, I think I think the most common complaint I get uh, in my office would be blurred vision. That makes sense, right? But mm-hmm. I think the second most common complaint is I get headaches, and um, and headaches are going to be a function, obviously, of a lot of things. But but visual headaches, you know, you can have the wrong prescription. Uh, we see that um, you can have an outdated prescription. You can have an eye imbalance. Uh, one, you know, one eye is doing something different from the other eye. They may not be working together well. Uh, you may have a prescription, as we talked about earlier, that's that's really kind of set for a certain purpose, and you're using it for a different purpose. So, so yeah, we see um, headaches associated with um, eye complaints routinely. How about dizziness? Aren't you aren't you sorry you ever agreed to be on this show? <laughs> Can you get dizzy from your eyes? Say yes. Um, you can. You can. You can, Jane. Um, and, and, and again, the same kind of things are there, though I, I don't get that complaint nearly as much as I do uh, the headache complaint. Oh, no. So maybe it's not from that. <laughs> well, no. Laurie, I'm sure, is laughing. And I, she's she's enjoying this and you shouldn't Lori you can you can get dizzy because but I think when I put my head up and down I think the change but that could be blood pressure no or is that eyes you know well well you know it you 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 can have uh, you know um, especially if your blood pressure is a little low right if your blood pressure is a little low and you're moving your head up and down you can have some some dizziness I don't know I have to take it do you know how often I do that? <laughs> I have my little cuff just in case. <laughs> well, good, feel, good, good. You should. You should. Um, but there are also a lot of different apps, right, that are giving the vision tests. Um, are those effective or not necessarily? Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I have, again, I, I think we said at the outset, I, I embrace I love some of the, the changes that, are, that we see out there and some of the opportunities we have. But but one of the concerns that we have with the apps is um, you know when those apps are done um, in in uh, uh, in the absence of being around an eye doctor I think I think it's a problem. For example, if you had an app uh, that that just was designed to give you a prescription for your eyeglasses, um, I would say well that's only one portion as you know of an eye exam. I mean who's Who's looking inside the eye? Who's taking a history of the patient? Who's, um, you know, uh, looking at the pressure of the eye? Who's looking at the cornea? Who's looking at the tear film? Um, all of those things are a component of, of an eye exam. And so, so I think my biggest concern regarding um, these apps is that they, they take a certain portion of the eye exam, we call it the refraction, and they extract that from the eye exam and um, and that becomes an, an isolated event, um, 
and it's isolated from the rest of the exam. For example, you can have a change in your prescription that really has to do with, with diabetes. It has nothing to do with, with your, uh, with your uh, eyesight generally, but it's, but it's diabetic-induced. And um, an app like that would never pick it up. It's interesting to note that in 2014, uh, 240,000 diabetics were first discovered going to their optometrist just because their really? vision was blurry. So, um, yeah, you know, and, 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 and an app would never have picked that up. Oh, my goodness. Now you scared me. <laughs> that yeah, well, well yeah, that's but it's why true. You, we do a lot of shows. It's absolutely true. Um, it's, you know, and, and that's why eye exams are so important. You know, there are 3 million people in the United States that have glaucoma, and yet only half of them know they have it. That's true. And that's, that was actually my next question. When should you go to the, uh, see your eye doctor? We recommend you see your uh, optometrist once a year, and uh, because there are so many not just um, eye problems that the uh, the optometrist uh, detects, but also systemic disease, and it's so easy. It's you know it's 20 minutes, and it's so easy to do. Uh, plus, when you come out of there, you'll see better too. So, um, so win win. You know, yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah, optometrist. Um, see a, a whole lot of patients and, and diagnose a whole lot of things because I think the barrier um, to, to the healthcare system is a little lower in an optometrist office. You know, uh, optometrists are not very threatening and, and um, you know, there's, there's usually a, a plus side to all of that and they come out and they, their contacts are better, their glasses are better and, and so it, and it's not nearly as scary. Optometrists generally have longer hours than other doctors do. Um, They'll um, have more weekend hours. They're located all over the place. I think the last statistic I heard is um, they're in 6,500 communities across the country. So, so access to an optometrist is, is, is usually pretty pretty easy. I go to one. I love mine. I do go yeah. to one. He won't. He won't do a thyroid test on me. I, I'm hoping he will because he said, "No, I don't do everything. I just, oh, right. I just deal with your eyes." I said, "Really?" But I have a sore throat. He goes, "No, that's not my area. <laughs> go to the CVS Minute Clinic. <laughs> that's where you belong." But he's great. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I do. I'm, I'm, you know, he'll, he'll be listening to the show. So I, I, I thank you, Doctor. In our final uh, minute or so, uh, if you could leave us with um, maybe four tips uh, to avoiding eye strain beginning with where we should hold our, our cell phone when we look at it and then just um, going from there. A couple of um, Dr. Oh, sure. tips to leave sure, us by. Sure, so, Some tips. Um, well, remember the 20-20-20 rule. Okay. You know, so, so look away. Blink a lot because dryness can be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Um, hold it at the right distance. You know, the closer you hold it, the more difficult it is. Uh, so hold it at least uh, at least uh, 16 to 18 inches away, and okay. then uh, you know make sure that uh, it's not tilted in a way that gives you a lot of glare. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you know see, see your optometrist. Make sure you have the right correction because you you may need a correction and not know it. And if you and if you don't have an optometrist, I, I do. You know my folks at AOA would be so upset if I didn't tell them. Uh, tell your listeners, if you don't have an optometrist, you simply go to AOA.org. And when you go to AOA.org, uh, there's, a, um, there's a doctor locator on there. And all you have to do is punch in your, your zip code and uh, uh, an eye doctor or several eye doctors will uh, pop up in your zip code. So, 
That was my next question. See, you even. Oh, good. Oh, you're good. Also, you're also a psychic. There you go. <laughs> and the yeah. AOA is the American Optometric Association, correct? American that's Optometric right. Association, that's right. That's Terrific. Right. And thank you so, so very much, Dr. Loomis. I, I had a it really, I, honestly, I had so many questions for you. I had more questions for you than I think I've ever had for any other guest. <laughs> <laughs> Well, You're a well delight I, hope we got, I hope we got to most of them. You, you did. And thank you. Thank you again um, for being with us. Everyone, that's our show. Uh, again, Dr. Loomis, thank you. You have to come back. I will have more questions. Um, and, of course, thank you, Lori, as always. And thank all of you for listening. This is Jane Wilkins-Michael. I will see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.